Hello, and welcome back to Maybe We'll Talk, a podcast where I talk to people on the phone. Uh, today, we welcome back Saint. Uh, and uh, has it been a minute since we've talked about Vampire the Masquerade? Probably not. I talk about Vampire the Masquerade even when I'm not talking about Vampire the Masquerade. And today, we are surely going to talk about Vampire the Masquerade. This is... Um, we're going to be looking at the first edition, Vampire the Masquerade, which was, yeah, really one of the first supplements to the first edition of Vampire back in 1990 or 1991 or so. This is a guidebook to a whole city, and, you know, me and Saint will explain everything. But yeah, this came out before even the clan books we've been discussing. This is one of the earliest pieces of Vampire the Masquerade supplementary material. Let's take a look. How do you how do you feel on this fine Friday evening in August? All right, not too bad. Cool. It's uh, it kind of nice, kind of breezy here, but still very wet. The air is very thick, but at least it's uh, you know, the it, at least it's not full blown July heat. It's sort of it's sort of creeping out. And it's not even that it's cool, it's just that you can feel the heat going away. And there's a nice breeze as a result. Yeah, man. So we are returning to speak of Vampire the Masquerade tonight. Boy, how are we even going to cover this? This book is huge. Yes, we have decided to review... The first edition, Chicago by Night. This was more or less the first big source book for Vampire. They had a couple little, like, um, what do you call them? Like, like adventure books? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, little campaign, uh, pre-built campaigns. Yeah, little pre-built campaigns. Um, but this was... This was like the archetype for basically all everyone who I know who ever wrote a a vampire game and designed a city from the ground up uh to you know to play their game in um I feel like this is the this is the prototype for all of those you know all of the first vampire games I played for at least the first, probably the first, maybe year, maybe two years of me knowing that this game existed were in this setting until we decided to move to New York because we all became 15 or 16 and very mean. <laughs> but we started here in Chicago. Right, right. And I think lots of people who played vampire did because this was by far the, the largest and most intricate and probably compelling setting that they had. They had a couple other by night books. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm kind of tempted to like review some more of those later, but um, I'm honestly not 100% sure about that, but this one definitely has, this is, this was, this is a big book and this is a dense book. Hey, huge, we talk- full of info. We were talking about those, um, 
we were talking about those clan books there's like 66 pages and then yep. some of them were like oh man these feel light there's so much art maybe in some of these like yep like there are some pages where like three quarters of the page is just art and there's like a little portion of text this is the opposite chicago by night has so much text textbook it has so much text. We got history, we got geography, we got 70 or more vampire full characters with full backstories. Full backstories. Some of them have kind of short backstories, you know, three, four paragraphs. Some of them have backgrounds that are like a whole page or more. Just straight up almost like an entire page of text. And there are cool stories, too. There are some really interesting stories. There are some really cool stories. The way they kind of all tie together and tie into the history. This is like, you know, they talk about this setting. They're like, like Chicago is a vampire city, man. Like, even oh, yeah. there, are, you know, there are other cities where there are a lot of vampires who are really influential and really important in doing stuff, but rarely to the degree that the vampires are in Chicago. Um, and 70 is a lot. Yeah. 70 is a lot of vampires and they, um, they justify it by saying the Chicago Metro area has like 7 million people, but really Chicago itself has less than 3 million people. That's the actual city. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about metro areas of cities, you can say New York and Los Angeles, and then you're talking 25 million people. So, I don't know. Um, they do have a hilarious thing here. They're like, Chicago. Ask someone to picture the city, and they will have trouble coming up with a concise description. When people think of New York, they think of skyscrapers, subways, and muggers. <laughs> this is so 90s. <laughs> they, think of, they think of Los Angeles. They think of sun, smog, and traffic. When they think yeah. of Detroit, they think of cars, factories, and decay. Yeah, yeah. See, this, this book is from 1992. Yeah. So I still Dude, think it, of smog and traffic as far as Los Angeles is concerned. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's not too much smog anymore. But, dude, it's oh, 1992. Really? There's, there's, there's one character at some point here who's an anarch who talks about he's got a bunch of mortal friends that he hangs out with and watches Chicago Bulls games. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. This is Michael Jordan's town. Yep, that's correct. In 1992. That's super duper correct in 1992. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, they just threw the bulls in there. Quick reference, by the way. Oh man. Uh, they and mentioned they, they mentioned going to bull. They mentioned that stadium, and they mentioned going to Bulls games at least a couple times. Yeah. And in the sense of like whether or not that's difficult for vampires and. Whether you can grab a quick snack when you're down at the fucking stadium, which is yeah. which is great. <laughs> exactly, it's great. Um, I like how this book is dedicated to Upton Sinclair. Yeah, who's that? <laughs> Upton Sinclair, quote unquote, one of the first to reveal Chicago's vampiric conspiracies, which is hilarious. Upton Sinclair is famous for he's a writer. Um, yeah, he wrote a bunch of novels. He was his one of his most famous novels, Men, um, and it's terrible because I forget the name of the novel now. Um, was all about like the meatpacking industry in Chicago. Oh, okay, okay. And basically, people read that book and were so fucking grossed out that they formed the FDA. Wow! All right, Upton Sinclair. It was. It was. I mean, of course, there was a lot of other (laughs) activists and people wanting to like you know take care of like food safety and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But like. 
The Jungle. That was the name of the book. Ah, uh, yes, Austin, okay. Sinclair, The Jungle. Um, ironically, I think he was mostly starting, he was trying to write, write about labor practices. Yes. Uh, but mostly people took away, the, the takeaway that most people had from reading that book was meatpacking is gross. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I can just imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like turn of the century, 1900s, meatpacking. There's a Chicago, a bit of Chicago folklore about a a place in the river that up until, you know, the 60s or 70s or something used to bubble perpetually because there was a, an, an endless depth of a pile of hog carcasses at the bottom of that section of the river and they were just decaying and bubbling all throughout the last century, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Chicago is a big city, man. And it is, it's, it's the big city in the center of America, really, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chicago is this interesting kind of city, you know? It's, it's a modern city. It's a rail hub. But also it's a port. Yep. Because, like, the Great Lakes are basically like a gigantic inland sea. Mm-hmm. It's a huge amount of... Uh, they have access to... Um, naval. The yeah. Atlantic Ocean, I believe. Yeah, exactly. They, they, can get, they can get out there, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge amount of commercial shipping uh, on... on on, on the Great Lakes. Um, so, yeah. Um, this is a cool book because it's it's like it really does the whole eternal struggle thing and it really does the whole vampires rule the night and pull the strings thing. Oh, this is it, so much. This is very kindred the embrace. There's a lot of yeah, invisible yeah. strings. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it goes through the sort of history of Chicago. Um, yes, and fully. Ba- basically, like most of the major events in Chicago's history are, are are attributed to vampires, to some degree or another. As you uh, do, you know. Yeah, not all, but but many. Um, and uh, yeah, they they uh, they. <laughs> This book's like there are more than seventy vampires currently living living in Chicago, many of whom are described in chapter four. You mean all of whom are described? I'm yeah. pretty sure there are seventy vampire character sheets. There are roughly seventy character sheets presented. Yeah, yeah, and, and all like uh, storyteller characters. Well, not all, but very mostly very powerful and very old. These are all characters that would not be around in the current setting. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of really low generation dudes, and by low generation, I mean the number is low. They're close to Kane. They're yeah. strong and powerful. Because there's a lot of elders in this city, and the ostensible reason is because of the the most eternalist of all the struggles happening here, um, which is uh, Menil and Helena. Um, yeah, Menil is an ancient fourth generation. Son of Troil. Child of Troil. Uh, Troil is described as a him here, but Troil is described as a her, other places. You know. I feel like Troil is also described as Tyler, I think. And uh, 
There's a Tyler in this book that is not Troil, but for a second I was confused. Yeah. A lot of the Antediluvians are described either as him or her or it and, and by they're various like, different pieces of the legends legend- that we see. Yeah. Yeah, they're legendary creatures. The number of, of vampires in the world who can remember meeting an Antediluvian in person are probably in like the low double digits. We got a couple of them right here. Yeah, you got a couple right here, though. Having a Midwest plainsy brawl. Basically, the real-life King Menelaus, who in the Iliad was famous for being married to uh, the most beautiful woman in the world, Helen, and then having his wife stolen by the Trojans, and then leading uh, an army with his brother Agamemnon, who was also a king. Um, He was a king of some place and a bunch of other kings from the Greeks to go burn down Troy and get his wife back. Yeah, I think um, Agamemnon was played by that guy from X-Men. Yep, yep. Okay. And, uh... Yeah. Uh, the Helena in this, who is his rival, uh, an ancient Torador, is not Helen of Troy. It's not his wife. Um, I kind of thought it was for a little bit. I thought I thought this was a little bit of a. It know, seems like, like they're kind of kind of leaning that way, but it's a, a mushed yeah. up type of legend, you know. Yeah, it's like the legend got mushed up. Yeah, you know exactly. But because they definitely don't like each other at all, there's no kind of like hidden love. They're just trying to murder the hell out of each other, and they've been trying to do it for two thousand plus years. Um, That's right. And uh, they lay the blame. I think we mentioned at some point, like, oh, yeah, the Torador might have betrayed the Bruja. Yeah, in Carthage, to to Rome. And I'm definitely going to, in fact, yeah. And Helena was the specific Torador who did that. Yep. And now she's in Chicago, awake. Yep. Um, Manil sleeps. Menil spent a lot of time thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this eternal struggle stuff. Maybe I should get it. Maybe I should do Golconda instead. He's got a humanity of 10. Um, Golconda is like, yeah, we were talking today about how we never considered it in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, now he's like, he's a little tired of his eternal struggle. He's like, maybe I shouldn't bother trying to kill Helena, but now Helena's chasing him. He was doing the chasing for a long time, and then now she's chasing him, and They've been sleeping for about 200 years apiece. Um, yeah, Helena just woke up. Uh, and yeah, and they're gathering their pawns. And a great deal of, you know, the 70 character sheets that we discussed going over, um, many yeah. of them are the pawns. Yeah, and you know what's cool that I like is it doesn't break down exactly by... Um, clan lines, and it doesn't break down exactly. Right. Yeah. I like um, by like obvious political groupings in the city, because for instance, um, I think Annabelle, who is the Torter Primogen and the yep. oldest Torter city, bar Helena, um, is like in the little coterie thing, like or in the like the relationship thing. It shows her the and Loden absolutely fucking hate each other but in like the overall like Methuselah eternal struggle game they're both pawns of Helena yeah you know um 
So, and that's, and I guess that's kind of the interesting thing too, is it because it's like, there are these two elders in the city, but they've both been in Torpor for a long time. And they've basically had to try and do all of their eternal struggling through like dreams and pawns and usually only like one or two pawns that they can directly contact easily. And then those person, those other people have to run everything else. So all the various pawns are like working at like cross purposes to each other and doing all kinds of weird bullshit and like hating each other's guts and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they all have their own little, they all have their own fingers and their own little pies. So they all have their own interests that become crossed. Yeah. Aside but, from their eternal struggling. <laughs> yeah. They got a more a more limited a more temporal struggle going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, and the theme of this whole thing is basically is really that whole like wheels within wheels, plots within plots, layers oh, it, within it, it might say like, exactly that, right, in the introduction yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, yeah, it says exactly all that stuff that we keep saying. <laughs> they, they have a secret stat that's like, how much do you yeah. know about what's happening in Chicago? And, you know... Um, it counts as a knowledge, which is strange. Yeah, You, you cannot don't... use experience to buy it, of course. Yeah. It's a weird... It's, it's, yeah, it's like, if you wish, you may allow characters to gain knowledge and secrets just like any other knowledge trade. Yeah. Oh, it does say I that? Think, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, that's not something I would bother to put dots in, really. I would just say, yeah. like, you know, this this is a this is a trade that they that they plop down on the various character sheets uh, for the NPCs to, right. give you a rough, to give you a rough idea of, like, sort of, like, what level of the conspiracies they're in on and what do they know about... You know, um, you know, because on its face, you know, Chicago is a city controlled by the by the Ventru. There's this Prince Loden, and he's got like about a zillion childer. He's got and, all kinds, two broods of them. Yeah, and they 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 run the joint, and he rules the place with an iron fist. Um, and a bunch of anarchs uprisings have happened. Uh, in Chicago over the last hundred years or so, and he has crushed everyone. Um, you know, he has smashed them and, and ripped all their throats out. So, you know, Loden is, is, is a powerful name in the Camarilla. Um, but you dig a little deeper and then you're like, oh wait, who are, you know, who, who's this guy Modius? And, you know, Loden has, it's not like Loden has never been challenged. There's this guy Modius who's a Torador who, who, you know, made a pretty good run at at trying to take over the city from Loden a while back, um, but ultimately failed. Um, and he was actually the secret pawn of the Torador Primogen. Yep. Um, uh, Annabelle? Yeah, Annabelle. Um, but then, you know, you dig a little deeper, and then there are all these Primogen working behind the scenes. There are all these elders. Um, and they don't act like they're all part of the same group, but they are... They, this is an interesting thing because they call Coteries are, definitely has like a different meeting in later Vampire of like a small group of vampires that work together. Right. And the they have like sort of like rough social groupings in this in this setting called Coteries. So 
just want to make that point for anyone who's, it is who's a little yeah and also like, some of these characters are in more than one coterie yeah yeah um, it's kind of roughly characters you would expect to see and kind of like they look like the pack charts that we used to make for sabat packs yeah, or actually this is where we got it from <laughs> there was a coterie no yeah there was a coterie chart as well yeah. i just remember doing it as sabat packs and it being a little more important yeah, well, because you also write your ping pong rating and stuff. Oh, right, right. You have an actual number, so of course, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's this primogen working behind the scenes, and they, like, work together sometimes, but they work across purposes other times, and um, it's not like it's not like a representative body or anything either, because I've definitely been in vampire games where they're like, oh, yes, there's one primogen to represent each clan on the council, and they're elected from inside their clan or something like that, or chosen from inside their clan, and they advise the prince, and it's like, no, these are just a bunch of elders, and they're telling, they're calling the shots, and their clans are kind of immaterial. I think there's probably, there's like a couple from, from the same clans or something like that, too. I gotta look at the... Yeah, there's two Ventru, I think, and no Malkavians, and the prince is one of them, Kinda, even though well, it says the primogen operate above him, sort of. Yeah, well, uh, there's two Bruja, there's Crisis and Tyler. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe I was thinking two Bruja, not two Venture. Yeah, there's two Bruja. But the Prince does represent the Venture, which is not what exactly. we think of as the primogen, or at least what we did in the 90s. This is not exactly right. it. Right. But, well, I mean, I think I think Loden is just on that chart to show how, what each of the primogen yeah, his relationship with them with him is because even though he's not on the primary, yeah, the kind of primary right. purpose of yeah, the primary the kind of primary purpose of the primogen is to fuck with Loden, mm -hmm. or at least to keep him in check and to kind of yeah. make sure that we all know what he's doing and he's not going to be doing anything stupid, right? <laughs> That's going to upset one of our little group of power brokers. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to invent a primogen, as a matter of fact, mainly to keep an eye on our on our prince, who is a, a wild man, kind of. Yeah, and all of these motherfuckers on on this primogen are sixth and fifth generation, or some bullshit like that. Yeah, crazy. Um, this this whole all these guys. It, go ahead. All of these but, guys, Yeah, every single one of these guys is pushing a thousand years. Fucking Nikolai, the Tremere guy, was embraced by apparently a, a guy who, well, he's sixth generation, so he was embraced by a guy who got embraced by Tremere, basically. Yep, we got a bunch know, of that, bunch of that going during, on during the you know right after the initial rituals, you know, probably even before the Diablerai Salubri or whatever. Um, you know, Annabelle is fucking ancient too. I forget she like she just comes off as like this like completely silly oh no she's not that ancient actually she's from seven, 1722 that's still pretty old but she's sixth generation yeah she's sixth generation there's a couple characters here older than dracula a couple characters from about a thousand bc a couple characters older than that yeah um it's yeah. definitely this it's definitely the elders obvious it's obviously you know it it almost like and I don't it reminds me of it reminds me of the way that all the clan books present like uh the the powers that are out the the five up discipline powers that are out of the range of the player characters like 
all of right. the books seem to present this incredibly and maybe that's the point dangerous world with all of these very powerful guys that you will never hope to contend with and even even the little powers that you have access to are nothing compared to yeah. the stuff these guys can do but it's very like yeah I'm not really. I'm not positive exactly where I'm going, but yeah, no, I hear you. They like making oh, the the player character feel. Yeah, yeah. although I, I, sh- I should kind of say that in my actual experience running some games like this, when I thought I've just made a character that was just like off the fucking charts as far as power level, just mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous, and then match them up against a big group of players, and it's just like. Oh, they still lost because it was five on one, and they just beat the shit out of him. Because the the white wolf system, <laughs> the white wolf system is not very nice yeah. when it's like five on one, and and nor should it be, for, to be honest. <laughs> but it's really, but, but it's also the the combat here is not meant to really decide anything. I don't think. I mean, maybe it can yeah. be if you wanted to, but it's not meant to decide what happens ultimately in the combat yeah. and where the plot yeah. goes with it. It's not everything. You can't kill your way through through all your problems in Vampire. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Um, There's not, yeah, it's not a dungeon where you kill this many Trollocs and then you get yeah. a chest full of gold. Yeah. You know, it's not, we're not, that's not exactly yeah. what we're doing. Then there's a whole bunch of powerful Ventru who are like, you know, like, oh, I rule the city or whatever like that, you know, Loden's brood. Oh, yeah. Like, but like, you know, in like a power gamer kind of way, like if you walked up to these dudes and threw down, again, like four or five starting PCs with a couple of them at least knowing how to fight would just beat the ever-living shit out of some of these guys. To be real, uh, yeah, yeah. And know, part of and rightly so. It's like it's like, oh yeah, I'm a venture who's all about like finance. Like I don't have any potence or celerity. I don't have any melee or firearms or brawl. And it's just like, what you know? I guess it's that old kind of thing. It's like, well, why didn't someone just kill them? Well, because there's a lot of good reasons why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't just go around killing people. Um, yeah. Speaking speaking of the children of. Loden, Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna achieve Golconda. They, they, they could not resist throwing Al Capone in a game about Chicago. It's hard. To, it's hard to blame. You, got, him. you would have to. You would just. You gotta. Come on. It's hard to Yeah. It's hard to blame him, and I, I, I feel bad saying you know Al Capone is one of um, Chicago's most famous residents. Um, you know. Uh, he, he was though. Yeah, he was though. And I'm first I'm trying to think, I'm like, oh, who's more famous than Capone who was from who's from Chicago? That ball guy. Yeah, that ball guy. Billy um Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah, yeah. Billy Corgan. Um, <laughs> the the president we had two presidents ago. Was Lincoln from around Chicago? He's from Illinois, yeah. Okay. So the, those are the famous people from Chicago. Yeah, well, was Obama from Chicago? I don't think he was from Chicago, but he spent a lot of time in Chicago anyway. Anyway, um, yeah. So I feel like rather than just like summarizing the tour guide section of Chicago, because there is like a and tour that's guide. That's a big Chicago. section. 
it's and it's interesting you know it definitely mentions what vampires think of each place yeah and it's it's kind of cool and it kind of yeah. i am pretty sure most of the other by night books that white wolf put out all had something like this where it was just like yeah we need to tell you kind of what's going on in the actual city. The city is part of the character. Yo, maps yeah. are cool. Also, I just, I think I should yeah. add. Yeah, maps are cool. Yeah. Maps are 100% cool. So, so yeah. And then, and then a long history, you know, where they, yeah. interweave, they interweave the, the human history with the, with the vampire history. I like how they, I like how the Anarchs are so tied into like the labor movement in the in the early 20th century yeah it's really interesting there is a lot of talk about unions and uh the whole bunch of bourgeois socialists yeah yeah it's pretty cool capone Um, fucking put pressure on gary and crippled the steel industry in gary vampire al capone crippled the american steel yeah he couldn't just take out gary he had to cripple the American steel industry around the turn of the century as a whole. Yeah. That's it's, what happened. Yeah, total. <laughs> total scorched earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no steel for anyone. Fuck this. I've had I've had enough of my enemies making steel. There's there's a there's there's several vampires in this book with the humanity of zero mm-hmm. who are not who are not sabat by the way and and one and, yeah and uh and a a few a few more that have a humanity of 10 for some reason yeah really they were like well let's go yeah. let's if, if these guys are you know the good kind of vampires that are gonna protect uh, the people around them then we're gonna make them super good and almost about to go Depart for yeah. Golconda land. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and Golconda is is a big thing. And I we were talking about this a little bit on chat before we yeah. started getting before we got on this uh, yep. and, and recording. Um, you know, the concept of vampire um, enlightenment, basically um, becoming one with your beast in a way that is not just like controlling it and repressing it, but like soothing it yes you know almost uh, to the point where it vanishes and then and then not having to drink much blood at all you know like one blood point a month or something like that um and then you know or even returning to mortality you know yeah uh, the this is a funny thing because it was like they threw it in there in vampire and i guess part of me always felt like this is the thing that you throw in there to give people hope, but never actually let anyone do it. Right, right. And that's kind of what it seems like. They're like, we don't even really know. There's no rules for it. You figure it out if you want to do it. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it can, it can mean a bunch of different things. Um, basically (laughs) it's, it's a very, they talk about how it's very individual. Um, But there are literal. There is literally at least one character in here who it says like she has achieved Golconda. She's the Inkanu monitor, you know, watching the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Malkavian with a humanity of ten who it basically says like, "Yep, this guy's basically achieved Golconda too. He doesn't have a derangement anymore." Um, 
you know. Just chilling. He's just chilling. At peace uh-huh. with the beast. The beast is the more primarily really what you should say is the beast is chilling. <laughs> Everyone's getting along in here. Yeah. Um There's a bunch of Premier Kaisef <laughs> in here. Yeah, there's at least one. Uh, there's a, I like all the Kaitif and their stories yeah. about how they became Kaitif, and I like how yeah. there's one kind of... These Kaitif are all like 8th and ninth generation too. They're not yeah. the blood Kaitif. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, no, these are, this is presenting the Kaitif as an actual clan, really. Yeah. Or, or really, as just any vampire who doesn't, who, who they don't know what their clan is. Yeah, you know, because you know they have this character Maldavis, Maldavis, who yep. is very important. She's she's last big anarch leader, um, and she's she's a she's a Tremere. Mm-hmm. She was embraced like pretty much by accident by her mortal great great grand uncle or something, her great uncle who she thought she was dead. And then when she was like, hey, you're my great uncle. You're not dead. And you still look the same as your old pictures. He freaked out and killed her and then embraced her and then left her. And then she wants to rebellion. Um, yeah. Um, there's another Kaitif who's basically Patrick Bateman. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I look at the fucking god... Damn it! Look at the. F- is it is it Timbrook? This Patrick Bateman drawing is severe. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think this Rochester's is Timbrook. At least this yeah. part is. It, yeah. it stops being Timbrook at a certain point. Uh, Bradstreet's in here too. Bradstreet's, okay, yeah. Bradstreet does all the the chapter facing pages. Yeah, there's a bunch of art in there. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's. When we get into yeah. the vampire section, there's art for each of these characters, which is also amazing. Yeah, there's a little portrait for each one. Um, really incredible. The whole middle section of, like, the meat of this book is the fact that there's just 70 character sheets with backstories that aren't even, aren't even templates yeah. for players. Yeah, and some of them are, are kind of thin, but some of them are, like, really interesting. Yep. Do you, do you have any that particularly jumped up at you that you, that you liked? Oh, man. Uh, let's take a like look. I, like I got a bunch, but like, uh, like I'll let you start with with one or two that you that you liked, and then I'll throw in a couple, uh, in the ring. I like how they just threw a succubus in the back for no reason. I like that. There, I like that. There's a succubus. That's like that shit is never talked about. And she's, <laughs> she she lives in the sewers. She's naked all the time. All the time. She gets power from fucking guys. Um, she doesn't like Kindred because she can't fuck them. Here are some of the ones that I made note of. I made note of Tyler only older than Dracula is what I wrote. But I made note of Hank Cave, a.k.a. Saint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coffee House Poet Bruja. I like him. I made a note that said, look at this sheriff. This is another great piece of Tim Brookhart. Yeah, Thomas Ewell Balthazar, a.k.a. Sheriff. Is he a Ventru or a Bruja? 
He's a Bruja. He's a Bruja, yeah. He betrayed his sire and the rest of the Bruja to throw in with Loden. Yep. Yeah, and the whole thing in Vampire Carmarilla Games where the main enforcer of the print is called the Sheriff comes yep. from this guy. Right. This it guy is... This book in general had, defines a lot of things that are, you know, considered sort of like universally Carmarilla, like in most or every city you go to. But the way they describe it in this book, it's just like, oh, no, 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 that, that just happened here. Yeah. Uh, well, this is this is everything. This is the first time we're really talking about vampire society. So a lot of these ideas became, yeah, you know, foundational. Uh, yeah. But this yeah, the, the idea of the sheriff and sort of how how it's presented here is a little bit different than even in the nineties what we came to be used yeah. to. Yeah. I definitely like the gangrel characters. Yeah, the gangrel characters are real good. Um, Inyanga turns into a leopard. That's fucking terrific. <laughs> I can get behind that. He's almost 2,500 years old. Yeah, yeah, again, a lot of these characters are born around 1000 BC or 500 BC. Very insane because, yeah, not only would they not even be here in 5th edition, but uh, even at this point in the 90s. It, absurdly powerful. I liked uh, I liked Doyle Fincher, Sledgehammer Doyle, and I made a note about him, which is... I was, uh, was going to say, I like him even more than Inyanga. Um, okay. Do you know... Did, did, did the same thing catch your eye? Because I really thought this was a strange thing to say. What? Doyle took his sledgehammer to his own head. Can you kind of picture hitting yourself in the head with a sledgehammer? I guess I kind of. <laughs> I guess. But not, yeah. but I don't know. Not really. Not with, not with, a, not with effectiveness. Not with any kind of, yeah. yeah. You would have to yeah. drop it on your head. You put the sledgehammer on the floor and throw yourself at it. Yeah, that's about what you must have to do if you want to kill that's, yourself with a sledgehammer. That's probably the most effective way to use it on yourself. Um... No, I didn't notice that part until you pointed it out. That's kind of ridiculous, but okay. Um, yeah, no, I like him because he's he's he he is kind of one note, but that note is interesting. This this concept of this he's he's like like he's he's almost sabat like in his in his obsession with death sure. and the moment of death. Um, but he he views it with with such reverence and respect. It's not like he goes around killing things for for, for fun. But yeah. he, 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 and I, I also like his child who is, um, he totally misread before embracing her. Oh yeah. She hates him. <laughs> wants, wants nothing to do with her. And she's like a serious animal activist, like save the animals, don't kill the animals. And he's like, no, kill the animals. Kill Cause death is, cause death is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a biker pack. Rose led a bunch of Rose led everyone out of the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course there's a gangrel biker pack called the Wolf Pack. Yeah, the wolf. These are some really good this is some really good artwork of these guys. These illustrations are terrific. Yeah, these are 
also the thinnest possible characters. Like there's oh, yeah. a couple of these guys who literally only have one paragraph here about their backgrounds. Like, yep, he's a biker. That's that's okay with a pack of guys like this. I mean, I've got yeah. the, most, okay. the most of the very important characters in my game right now are basically a bunch of one note characters in a pack like this. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah. And the thing is, the thing is too is when you have like a big group of characters, like the group is the character. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the individual characters are maybe not as important unless you you end up spending a huge amount of time with those characters. In which Goons. case, you got then they they get fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, they've they've converted one, so now I gotta kind of flesh them out a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but those are yeah, those are some of the yeah. those are some of the characters here that jumped out at me. There's a lot of children among these characters, a high number of them, like five yeah. or six children, is a lot out of seventy yeah. vampires. And, and there's 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 several like teenagers. Yep. I guess that yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I mean. There's a lot of thirteen yeah. and fourteen, yeah, fifteen-year-olds, yeah. yeah. Um, Elena, I love the Tordor in this city, who are a bunch of they're they're mostly descended from Annabelle, um, and they're all like obliged to go to Annabelle the Tordor Primogen's parties all the time, mm-hmm. um, and like when you look at the Tordor, like relationship charts they all fucking hate annabelle and they all <laughs> like none of them really like each other very much either i love sharon and michael this fucking like vampire war of the roses couple locked in yep. an eternal circle they're still blood bond to each other but this but they also fucking hate each other and they're trying to ruin each other's own lives as, as much is, as possible as is often the case yeah i think that's hilarious fucking crazy torador with zero humanity and likes to play his violin for a week mm-hmm. at a time before going into a frenzy and killing all the people he's tied up and forced to listen to his crazy violin playing like, what yeah. Yeah. i <laughs> you know okay <laughs> it almost seems like that's close to a masquerade violation well they all died. Right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Role playing hence picture yourself as a Malkavian more than a Torrid or oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. There it is. Yep. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Tremere. Yeah, Nikolai is the leader of the Tremere. He's the, the, the primogen. Classic child vampire. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they clipped this guy uh to use in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer season three or something. Oh yeah, yeah there I know. Was a child, there was a child vampire leader in Buffy the Vampire Slayer for. He wasn't even like half a season, like three episodes or something, and he was like the Oracle or something, or like mm. the kid. He was like creepy little vampire kid, and it was it was all like they were like building him up for like a couple of episodes to be like he's going to be the big bad monster in charge. And then, uh, and then they had like the punk vampires roll onto the scene and you know throw him in a cage and you know hoist him up into the sunlight. Oh right! Oh dear! And so much for the kid vampire. He should have done a better job being yeah. the leader of all of them. He should have had some thaumaturgy. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, that might have. Well, you know, I mean, if, if they're going to put you in a cage, 
and hold you up to the sun. Thaumaturgy might not be exactly what you want, but thaumaturgy can keep you from getting in the cage in the first place. Yeah, yeah it keeps you from getting yeah, to that yeah, point. Exactly. I love how there's like 20 pages or so of random encounters. I'm I fucking... love it. I didn't get a chance to read all of these because after a while I was like, okay, oh my God, this is a lot. Um, this this section has almost no art. This is just yeah. dense text. Um, and I, I would have steal some of these from my game. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I love this shit. In fact, at this I was taking notes and when we got to this part of the book, when I got to this part of the book, it just stopped being... I have the wrong notebook because it, it stopped being notes for this podcast and started being notes of things that might happen in my game. I, I love that shit. I love it when they have just lists, just a bunch of little couple paragraph encounters that you can just grab and, uh, you know, see where you go from there. Yeah. I was going to try to read the Succubus Club and Ashes to Ashes, which were like two of the very early supplements too that kind of go along with chicago by night access to ashes it's about how this ghoul uh kidnaps Loden, and uh uh basically it gets pinned on the coterie ah and, yes uh they gotta figure what's going on if they rescue Loden, you know or you know then then you know they get power and position and if they don't rescue Loden, Loden dies and everything gets everything in this book gets fucked up yeah, then what do you do with this book? <laughs> no, you know, and it's funny too because there's a lot of notes in this book too that say like if Ash just happened, Ash just happened, and Loden's dead, then then this person is doing this. Yeah, you know, uh, and then Succubus Club, which is um, you know the the club, um, it's a combination source book of like look at our cool club, and uh, also here's an adventure that takes place in and around the club. Right, yeah. Um, you know, the club is also Helena's Haven. Um, I didn't look at it, the actual adventure too much, but I was looking at, like, sort of the description of it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, you know, every giant club and vampire club in the 90s. There's a maze in, in the basement. Yeah. Like that, and I was like, wow, that's, like, super illegal and dangerous. Somebody sets a fire in the labyrinth, everybody dies. That's awesome. Um, only, only in a, only in a world of darkness in a fantasy world could you have a club like that. Yeah, you're definitely not supposed to build an. I, I really reading about it. I, I felt I would like to build a labyrinth someday. But yeah, you're really not supposed to build an underground labyrinth. Oh, it, no, you can't. Club. You can't ever have it up to code. Yeah. We got a, the one time in this book. There's a short story. It concerns blood dolls going down and navigating the labyrinth. Oh right, right, right. One yeah. one little tiny one page long short story we get in this book. <laughs> yeah, this this was it in here or was it, I think it might have been Succubus Club. There's like a whole section describing blood dolls, and I was like, uh, there's this... a section in this book, and I really wish I had looked at the succubus club book before now but yeah. they do talk it's about blood dolls quite a bit here yeah i love it i was like this is a description of, of me in my 20s not so much the actual <laughs> not so much the actual blood drinking but everything else waking up at 9 p.m and hitting the club yeah. going down into the smoky labyrinth yeah i mean not, not exactly <laughs> I, did, I did have to work a real job oh, okay. during the day to pay rent 
and hypercharge for those dark clubs. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Vampire Nightclub, the and the Succubus Club again here is like you know primordial because the Vampire Nightclub became, you know, not just something that was in every vampire game you ever played, but also in every vampire video game you ever played, and then in Blade and every vampire movie. You know. Yeah. Did Underworld have a nightclub scene? Uh, I, I can't. Yeah, it's too long. Too long for that one. There was a lot. There were a lot of Underworld movies too. So yeah, and I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't watch Underworld. You know, five or six hundred times the way I watched Blade. So. I'm even though under, with it. even though Underworld is basically World of Darkness, vampires versus werewolves. Yeah. Kind of dialed up to eleven. I mean, it could be that it's a Marvel property that I watched Blade over and over, but I feel like I feel like most people have watched Blade many times and Underworld, like you know, once. I feel like it's. I don't know if it's not as interesting. I've watched, I've watched Underworld many times. Oh, you have. Okay, okay. Maybe it just among whoever I was hanging out with at the time, it just Underworld is not really on my radar. The the way certain you know big video game franchises just are not really on my radar. Yeah. You know, just didn't... Yeah. From whatever happened, you know, back then, it wasn't the internet and everyone gets irradiated with the same media. <laughs> yeah. Back then, if your friends weren't into it, you might not watch a movie. Imagine that, not watching a movie. I still don't watch a lot of movies. There's probably a lot that I don't... Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I would say I probably watch most... Like big movies, if it's like being talked about at all. I don't, I don't even. I don't even watch big movies anymore. These days, they make a million movies a second, so it's not not like you could watch them all. Yeah. Um, Robots are crapping them out. Yeah. Sears Tower. Loden has an office in Sears Tower because he feels like he needs to. At the very top of the city. That seems yeah. like a bad place. It seems like not where you want to be as a vampire, yeah. way up in the sky. Yeah. And again, it's like it kind of says, it's like, it's almost like he's like, Ugh, fine, I'll put a haven up here, and I'll occasionally, <laughs> I'll occasionally throw a party here or have an audience here to impress people, but I'm never, ever going to stay here. <laughs> that's like, too, it's, that, that's a scary building. It's too tall. Very tall. Yeah, I did. I did make a note that there is a lot of mundane info about the city, but it's kind of, but it's good and it's flavored with a supernatural flavor, you know. They do, and I think there are some things that I think they changed um, because, like, for instance, yeah, the, I, I got, there there are trolley cars or street cars or whatever. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I got yeah. confused for a minute too. I saw this thing, Michigan Avenue Underground. You know, it's just like, oh, it's part of a plan to ease traffic congestion. And the civic authorities came with the idea of building a series of substreets. Um, so Chicago really does have an underground pedway. Yeah, but it's it's not full of. Cardboard not, labyrinths and muggings. No, no, but that is no, a, it. Is a thing no. though. That is a real thing for sure. Yeah, and it's it's this this one is described as like underground streets, um, and and like the ped the you know, Chicago pedway is not streets. It's for it's for people to get around. Um, but um, no, but even in Chicago, people say you know it's like like oh man, it's labyrinthine. It's confusing. It, you know, it's some of some some of it is like 
very poorly maintained. Um, you know, I, I would, I can only assume that homeless people try to sleep down there all the time during the winter because it's cold as fuck in Chicago during the winter. Oh my um, god. So it seems like an obvious place for people to try and get some get some relief from that. Um, yeah, so it's interesting the, the little things they change, but it, this this is always I think people gave gave people the idea, and it's it's something I you know I've done a few times when when I wanted to kind of create a city that that wasn't like oh I'm tired of playing New York and I don't want to use a pre built city that someone else had like like okay you know I want to set a game like in the in the American Southwest it's going to be like a about nomad game and it's going to be set around like you know Nevada and Arizona and Utah and shit you buy a couple. Winnebago, travel guides. Buy a couple of travel oh, guides. Oh yeah, 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 sure, yeah. yeah. And you, you use the, you, you know, like, like I've never been to, like I've been to Las Vegas like once. You know, I've been to Phoenix like once. I don't know those cities. Um, get a travel guide. Learn a little bit more. That's and a good course, idea. That's that's a that is a dungeon you know, master pro tip right there. Yeah. And of course, travel guide will only give you like a really high level overview of a city, and it won't kind of give you like. Especially, you're trying to make a vampire game. You think to yourself, "Okay, where's the bad part of town?" Sure, travel, right. Travel book is never going to tell no. you this is a bad part of town. <laughs> no, they're just not going to talk about it. They're just right. not going to mention. It. No, yeah, yeah. You know, you buy a travel guide, travel guide for New York. You know, it's not going to say stay out of bed sty. You know, bed for Stuyvesant because it's a bad part of town. Mm-hmm. It's just there won't be any attractions to see in bed sty. Right. You know, or Bensonhurst, or you know, whatever you know, kind of like you know, lower class neighborhoods with you know that that are a bit rough. So, um, yeah. So there's that. The, you know, that's the other side of 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 doing that though. When you when you want to um, make a city, is you you don't get the the street level view as as easily just from like grabbing a book. Yep. I like the. Uh, we talked a little bit about the coteries themselves and the coterie charts, but I really, I like, I like how, how well laid out these coterie charts are. And looking at these, I was like, I'm going to redo all of my character maps and shit for my game because there's really like a whole chapter of this book, like pages and pages are all the characters that we just went over with that we've already gotten the backstory and all this stuff with. And now it's really, giving you a little bit of detail of their relationship to every other vampire in the city, or yeah. at least the ones they're going to have to interact with. Like the yeah. way this every, city every is... Other, every other group of vampires that they yeah. have to interact with. You know? Yeah, 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 completely. Um, but yeah, just the, the way that this book lays out this city as, as a setting and what's going on here and uh, the way that you can dig a little bit. And in fact, a lot of the uh, the encounters that... I was saying that I love a lot of them uh, end up leading you into meeting a character in this web of intrigue. So the way it's designed to pull, to, to let the storyteller pull the characters in, you know, whatever kind of direction is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. And the way that they, and it's the way that they continue to do this with these cities by night. Yeah, for real. 
Maybe not as in-depth as this one with the way the characters all relate to each other, but I'm really not sure. And honestly, I don't think I looked too much at any City by Night book. I don't think I don't have any on my shelf. Pete didn't have any. They were, I don't know, I guess they were for... I always, when I was storytelling, it was in New York City, so I didn't need any of these books. (laughs) No, I definitely picked up some other um, by Night books. I remember having... um, uh, Montreal by night, of course. Yeah, that um, was the that was a very famous one. That was the Black Dog Sabat City. The infamous um, one. But um I remember having New Orleans by night. Um I remember um not having but reading DC by night. Um, I remember New Orleans by night being around. Everyone was interested in that because of, you know, that movie. Yeah, interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I mean New Orleans is a good city for vampires too. Yeah. You know, thematically, aesthetically. Party city. Um, yeah. Um, also, like, you know, old-fashioned looking party city. You walk yeah. The, you walk around the French Quarter, all these, you know, 18th century looking buildings, you know, um, many of which are probably actually from the 18th century, just, you know, rebuilt over and over. Um, yeah, but at the same time, like, if you know New Orleans at all, beyond just like, you know, French Quarter party kind of kind of thing, you'll know. For, you know, New Orleans is a kind of Haunted? depressed, oh. kind of depressed, kind of um, poor, kind of um, you know, extremely kind of corrupt city. You know, one of one of New Orleans's nickname is like the Big Easy. Right, 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 you right. Know? Yep. My mom's from New Orleans. Um, and she used to say, like, whenever we used to go visit New Orleans, she's like, yo, don't listen to it. Don't trust the cops in New Orleans. They're the most corrupt anywhere. Wow. That's a that's yeah. quite a record. That's quite a title to hold. Yeah. For a city. <laughs> those corrupt yeah. cops. Yeah. And I, you know, and I used to see some of those parts of the city when I was a kid because sure. we'd drive up to visit my, uh, my, uh, my great aunt, you know, one of my, um, my grandmother's, uh, sisters, um, and she lived in her like, you know, she lived in like an old house in like a rough part of town. So we drive through some rough parts of town to get to to go over and visit her. We'd be like, you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, there there are definitely a bunch of different by night books. I think the quality definitely varies a lot. But like Chicago was always like their sort of like centerpiece city. Um, and yeah. there is a fifth edition version of this book. It's a fifth edition version of the book, so everybody stay tuned. What we were probably going to do is we're going to read the fifth edition version, which I just bought, and compare and contrast to this one, and maybe use that as a sort of like framework for comparing and contrasting first edition vampire to fifth edition vampire, seeing where it's gone over 25 some odd years. All of these guys are probably fucked off due to the beckoning, but we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the more and more of, like, the actual vampire book I read, they talk about the beckoning, they mention the beckoning, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, it's just, they're like, yeah. Use it as you will. Use it as you will, the old vampires got beckoned, but, like, at the same time, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I haven't actually read a real setting yet. Maybe, yeah, maybe, because I don't really, yeah. I haven't seen an official description of what it's like in an actual city. And that's why I'm running my city as like absolute anarchy. 
And now I don't know if I, if I if as a storyteller I can rate it in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's you know. I mean, we created we created New York together for this, and that's yeah. pretty much you know, like yeah. I mean, that was pretty much my idea. Like, like I drew the first map, right? I think, and yeah. I like, came up with like the first where the guys like, where everyone is. Yeah, like the list of like the major barons and the prince yep. and said like okay these are their turfs and i drew the turfs to show like the carmarilla's turf is extremely limited oh um, yeah oh yeah it's the it's the best part of the city but it's still it's there's there's a whole lot of new york city that the prince has no power over and there are all these anarchs hanging out there or even just kindred who just who don't care yeah one way or the other like they're like anarch, whatever. They're, but they're like, but I'm not gonna listen to Camarilla rules. Yeah, you know, um, I don't want to listen to this asshole prince. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, get by and drink my blood. And I know not to show myself to mortals. I'm not stupid. Right, because that's just that's gonna get you into trouble no matter where you're at. Yeah. Um. And yeah, yeah. So so yeah, absolutely. The the idea of of anarchy, of this. Camarilla that's barely hanging on. Yeah, that's that's definitely yeah, that's definitely the idea we're going for. And I do, I really I'm very interested in seeing what an actual Camarilla influence or whatever. I mean I mean I don't know. Who knows what is going on in Chicago these days and we'll find out. Yeah. I wonder if that book will be a little more lively than this dense <laughs> to ponderous yeah. tome. Yeah, it is a bit ponderous. It's not it's nothing. None of it is bad. None of it is boring, even. <laughs> it's like, really it's all interesting, even the mundane parts of the yeah. city. Yeah, yes, it's very well written. Like yeah. the like and like like the parts that you think would be mundane that just describe like like the 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 areas of the city and like how people live and right. you know the you know the politics and the the art and the museums and stuff and they just kind of throw some stuff in there They're like oh yes you know there are a thousand restaurants and and blah blah blah. the first is daily is located on the block of north state street it is a popular spot with ballard who often holds meetings there. oh man and pukes and pukes (laughs) and pukes right on the table all the time this character ballard I, i can't believe he wasn't on my list of characters that stood out to me because this whole thing is that he's grotesque loves eating and puking right in the middle of the restaurant he's like a whale vampire yeah just like yeah like i just i'm just yeah i'm just imagining him like just like sort of like gorging himself just like sort of not even really chewing just kind of like stuffing food down his gullet and then like you know 10 minutes later just like sort of turning his head a little bit and just barfing all over himself and you know say like oh my god what's that was that was a monty python where yeah yeah like, yeah yeah mr creus like, uh, yep the yeah, meaning yeah. of life yeah what what it's, is is bellard uh, adventure yeah with sir care for mint it's yeah Wofford. exactly <laughs> yes ballard is loden's child he runs the the finances for Loden. He, he he makes the money. Yeah, he makes the money and the puke. 
Oh, here he is. Okay, Sire Loden Curmudgeon. Yep, humanity zero. That's what I I've been scrolling through to look for Ballard to confirm. That's what you do when you're humanity zero. You either turn into a feral beast that flaps around at night devouring everything he sees, or you become huge and grotesque and uh, sit at the restaurant you own and puke on the table every night. And it even goes so far as to describing that it creeps people out because it doesn't even really look or smell like puke. It just looks like bites of food because his body's not even digesting it. He's just puking it all over himself like a monster with humanity of zero. Right. Wow. (laughs) It really goes into how much he likes to eat gourmet food and puke. (laughs) So bad. And the the pictures of all, the art art especially of all the, the vampire characters is just perfect. They're all done so well. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Brooke fucking kicks, really whips the the donkey's ass. These are not all by Tim Brooke, the llama's ass. It was the llama. The llama was he whose ass was whipped. I like the two Sabat in here. They don't have a clan. No. They're just just the Sabat. Their sire is Sabat Coven. Yeah. Two Sabat and a... uh, and Anu. a succubus, and a kanu, and a ghoul. And a ghoul who's 3,000 years old. That's a, specs, that's a big ghoul. All, all specs tells you that he's a vampire because he's that old. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. All of his attributes are at five, and he's got a melee of seven. You do not want to fuck around with a 3,000-year-old ghoul. Do not fuck around with this dude. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, but I, I feel like just the, the new setting just encourages you to not have to have your guys encounter dudes that are 3,000 years old. Like, dudes that are that old are all asleep right now, or they have fucked off and left a power vacuum. Yeah. So much of this, and this is, again, this is what I've been saying about how all of these characters are so old and powerful, and how the clan books show us powers that we can have, like, it's like they, yeah, they're really, well, I mean, again, I guess we just said this over and over again, they're really focusing on that eternal struggle and this all of this ancient power and will that the characters become caught up in but it really just it seems like they show us how much fun all the other vampires are having while the player characters aren't supposed to (laughs) maybe in the case of three thousand year vampires that's old vampires that's an understatement you know but it really this is like there's a lot of quite old vampires with a bunch of stats who are at like six and sevens and what have yous. It might be uh, that I have just this mentality from high school that, well, these are the bosses, right? We're going to end up fighting all of these dudes. <laughs> most of the dudes would never want to get in a fight in the first place. Yeah. That's really not what they're here for. That's not what they're here for at all. Yeah. It is interesting, like, yeah, the stat blocks on some of these characters are just interesting because it's, looking at them, it's, it's, like, some of, some of these characters have, you look at them and they're like, you're like, wow, this person is a useless piece of shit. Go for it, the naked succubus has got an appearance of ten. Yeah. And a seduction of ten. You're gonna have sex with her. (laughs) That's it. That's That's the rule. 
But yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, well, and then on the other side, yeah. yeah so some of them have like less stats than a neonate in some mm -hmm. places. Yep. Like I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this 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 Torador dude who plays violin, and nothing he does, he doesn't do anything except play violin. <laughs> he's only got five abilities: streetwise two, empathy five, etiquette four, music five, linguist two. Yeah, he has so no other knowledge, skills, or talents whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, sometimes. Is all he cares about is playing that violin. He's got a protein of two for some reason. He can pop wolf's claws. Uh, so that he, seems he's got counterintuitive to playing the violin. Yeah. If anyone tries to stop him from playing the violin, they have a yeah. bad day. Yeah. Oh, maybe it ties into his image a little bit. Five feet tall and preternaturally thin with long, corpse-thin fingers. Oh, yeah. yes, okay. Where they're like talons, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Sort of, I think he's like he's like I'm gonna learn protein just as an aesthetic thing. Yeah, <laughs> it goes it goes well with with my vibe. Yeah, it goes with the vibe. Yeah, yeah. And his child is a is a guitarist who likes to rip into improvised solos, which lead the her other band members with nothing to do on stage for up to an hour on end. <laughs> That's some tour or shit. <laughs> That's a dirty shit. Yeah, they're all fucking playing use, cards and shit. Use celerity to ensure her position as the fastest guitarist any of the characters likely to ever see. Wow. Let's play play guitar. Mean, celerity 4. That doesn't Just, sound like it would sound nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love the encounters. I love the random table you can roll. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to really look through the encounters, but it made me think. I was like, random encounters. This is really this is kind of showing its 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 roots. It's showing yep. its 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 old role playing roots. The random encounters like you have in D and D or in like a Palladium role playing game or whatever. You know, roll some random dice and pick a theme, and then from within the theme. Roll, roll some more dice. Yeah. Roll, <laughs> roll, the, yeah. roll first. Consult the chart. Chart. Roll on the chart. Chart to find out what chart you're going to consult. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> or not necessarily. You don't necessarily have to roll on the second you chart. You don't have pick, to. Pick, no. Pick one. Pick one that looks good. Maybe yeah. For you know, for I mean, you can you can pick one that looks good. Period. Yeah. Period. Which is what I'm going to do. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Anyway. Some of these are good, and some of them are dumb. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than a few that say this has nothing to do with the story or anybody. This person is just crazy at the end. Yeah. Yeah. This man is just playing crazy. He has no significance to the ongoing story. That's the final line of more than a few of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of them are really cool. This section is definitely worth reading. And I, I made a lot of notes for my game based on ideas in this section so this is the coolest section for them to include i think this is the this is my favorite section of the book yeah my favorite section is the characters themselves to be honest i i just it's I, for me it's just amazing all of these all of these little stories most of them are really good there's a few that are just kind yeah. of boring or one note, but even the ones that are kind of one note are like at least it's like okay well that, that might be a note that i hadn't necessarily thought of before so that's kind of cool um uh, but yeah, there's a lot of really complex characters and a lot of really interesting things going on in this character section. 
with these people's histories and personalities and foibles and there's a lot of fucked up people. Role-playing-ins. Yeah, I, I made a note that these are dark Malkavians. This is like, these are not lighthearted pranksters in this case. Oh, yeah. The these Malkavians. are asylum-ass, wacky-ass Malkavians. Yeah, the 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 sort of poster boy for the Malkavians, the, you know, uh, is, is Sun. Yeah. Who is basically, yeah, he's basically just a serial killer. I think he's basically Norman Bates. Yeah. That works. Uh, he's kind of a Norman Bates-ish kind of character. Um, humanity Zip. It is neat about how, and something that is neat about all of these characters is the way that their backstories do weave into the history and, you know, into each other's yeah. history and stuff. And the way, I mean, it's presented well, but it's just, it's built well. It is. There's a whole, is. There's a whole city of intrigue here. It's, yeah, it's tight. Yeah. There's, it's it, there's so much stuff that ties into it, and it's not like literally everything, right? Because then that would be kind of trite and kind of silly if literally everything was as a result of the machination of one of these fourth generation, whatever. There's a bunch of stuff that happens that's just random, and there's a bunch of stuff that happens that's like its own little stories happening off on the side, um, and those are all cool. And it's it's yeah, there's there's a lot of there's so much in this fucking book. There's so many stories in this book. You you don't even have to touch Loden versus the Anarchs and the Primogen versus Loden and the yeah. Mania versus Helena thing. You really don't, you can, yeah. You can just do so much with just with just some of the characters that are here, a few of the characters and, and the and the hooks that they have. You can run like multiple session plot arcs dealing with you know, some of the stuff that's talked about here and, and kind of like pointed at and implied and really isn't really isn't more than just a couple paragraphs that, that are like, oh, this character is doing this and this is happening. And if this pops off, then some crazy shit is going to happen. And you look at it and you're like, wow, yeah. You know, and some of these characters, it seems like really unlikely that whatever sort of outside weird plan that they have is actually going to succeed. Sure. But, um, you know, sometimes crazy shit happens. And especially sometimes if your characters get involved because they like that hook and they're like, yeah, we're going to help so-and-so murder his sire who happens to be the Tremere Primogen. Um, you know, and you're like, wow, I never thought that was going to happen, but here we are trying to murder the Tremere Primogen. Okay. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yep. I didn't think that was a plot hook that was going to go anywhere, but well... I mean that's yeah all of that all of that shit is what's great about yeah this kind of this kind yeah. of non dungeon based role playing yeah story based yeah I feel like role playing I feel like though like when you read like the actual pre written parts um of the actual adventures which which there aren't really any of in this book but like, no. when I was looking at Succubus Club and I was yeah. looking at Stashes real quick. Yep. It goes back to the dungeon crawl real quick. Oh, does it? Yeah. They they draw the maps. They got like oh, the little okay. maps of the, of the wow. areas, like the details of all the booby traps and the and the security measures and how many dudes are hanging out in what room and how many minutes it takes them to respond to oh. a alert or whatever. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that in a bunch of those books, and it's just like wow. Okay, this is. 
There's, I, I remember really specifically uh, a, a, uh, what was the name of the of the book? It was a, uh, it was one of the, it was another one of the first um, uh, adventures that they put out. Oh, awakening, mm. Diablo, oh. Mexico. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was a story about how you figure out the location of a gangrel Methuselah yep. uh, somewhere in the Yucatan Peninsula, and you delve into an ancient Mayan pyramid to go drink his it, blood. I've played it, yeah. It's full of, yeah, it's a dungeon crawl. Yep. It's straight up dungeon crawl with Diablo at the end. And we did a lot of that in high school. We did a lot of this as a dungeon crawler. Yeah, sure. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no, I, I, you know, I've used to, I used to gatekeep stuff more. And now I'm like, you know what? Yeah, do whatever you fucking want. There's no bad wrong fun. Yeah. There's yeah. Do what you want. You're having fun. You got consulting adult consenting adults. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly. Yeah, whatever. And really, yeah, and whatever I was saying about earlier how the combat isn't really meant to decide how the story ends up going I'm, I'm i was i sort of was speaking about like the kind of environment i'm running where most of the characters are actual characters that are part of the plot line and you know no other characters and stuff but like and you know sometimes people will run the game where like there's the there's the social layer and then you go to the combat layer and that's the dungeon and none of these characters have families down here you can kill the security guards and that's not breaking the masquerade. I mean even bloodlines is like that. There's just combat yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think it's just it's it's that's part of how it is in role playing games, tabletop role playing games. It just there's that strand of DNA from from where they came from. Yep. War games, tabletop war games. Yep. So you know that's that's the game part of the role playing. Um, totally, totally, yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when I talk to people who who've never, who have no context for role playing games, who even if they've never heard of D anD D, never heard of Vampire, never heard of any of this stuff, they're like, "What is it?" I say, "Okay, imagine, you know, like when you were a kid, you used to play like make you know make believe games. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm I'm the robber, you're the cop. You know, bang bang, I shoot you. Same thing, except you make up the rules." beforehand so that when you say bang bang i shoot you you don't say no no you missed haha uh, like, <laughs> like, like kids do yeah right. um, you say okay no to decide what actually happens we're gonna we're gonna gonna use these rules that are written down somewhere we'll roll some dice use a character sheet whatever yep. um and because we're adults we're not kids anymore the stories are a little more complicated than you know cops and robbers bang bang yeah but you know sometimes there's still that you know Bang bang, shoot the dude. Yeah, I mean that. There is a lot of that. Yeah, my last requiem game. Yeah, uh, last requiem session. Um, Fifteen was, murders. Yeah, <laughs> there was. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't going to say that, but um, okay. <laughs> pretty much the last two sessions, almost the entire sessions were combats. Okay. Um, yeah, which almost never happens in that game. We haven't had a combat that we've rolled out in ages. Probably because like all our characters have like fucking three hundred experience points or something ridiculous. We've been oh, playing right. this game. Yeah. We've been playing this game so long and our storyteller has given out way too much experience and he knows it. Um like I haven't recorded 
record any experience gains since like January. I just stopped like, bothering. Well, this is fine. I was like, I'm. I got. I got what I need. I got. I have got everything I need and more. It is kind of silly that I have these stats as like a five-year-old vampire, but whatever. It's cool. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to really spend any more experience that I'm getting unless occasionally it makes sense to raise a stat by a dot or two because. Like I can just buy, I can almost start buying everything up to a five at this point. That would be silly. That would like, be silly. It'd be silly just to have everything at a five. So, but it, you know, so that's also part of why Chris is not bothering to actually roll out too many combats because we're all monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why he actually wrote a, yeah. he actually wrote a combat with a bunch of antagonists to actually challenge us in a big fight. So of course it takes two entire sessions yeah, right. to pull out the fight, because um, that's how the storyteller system is. It's um, yeah, even the later yeah. editions like Requiem Second Edition or um, or Vampire Five E, the storyteller system is not fast to resolve combats. Yeah, compared to some other things I've seen, it's not that fast. And I even like how in Vampire Five E they specifically say play a combat for three rounds and then end it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's really, I really, yeah. The, the people who are losing should probably be trying to run away at this point, you know, recognizing that they're losing, you know, or surrendering or something, you know, or just say like, okay, we've reached the point of like the game dice rolling part where there's a death spiral. Yeah, they're at, they're at like a big wound penalty, and you are not. Yep, you had a bigger bigger dice pool before that before the you know the fight even started and now you have more blood in your pool than they do there's really no way they're going to win this so i'm just going to narrate this you know you tell me are you killing this guy you're knocking yep. him unconscious you're taking him what you win you know yeah i don't yeah. have to actually pull out the last couple rounds you know yeah you should know where you're at at that point and that's sort of yeah that's sort of why you don't i mean it can be fun if you want to have a boss combat and want to roll out every last point of health and do the dungeons and dragons but yeah, the system is there to get you to the next phase of drama. All right, now exactly. this guy's hurt. Now we're doing this. Yeah, and not to say that the combat can't be the drama because right. it absolutely yeah. can. It's, I mean, how so many games we've played where I was that like, is, I was like, oh yeah, let me make sure to include a combat because that's good drama in its own way, and I like combat drama. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I I've been thinking like I've had very few comments in my in my five E game lately, but I actually had one combat where it made sense to keep rolling after the third round. Yeah, because it, yeah, and and but the thing was it was a prelude. Okay, sure, yeah, and it was like a cage match between oh uh, yeah the Street Fighter character yeah. and another and another fighter. Oh and sure, okay, th- yeah, and it was like after three rounds, it still kind of felt like kind of inconclusive, you know. So I was like, okay, yeah, keep yeah, going. Then you keep doing it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah do whatever you want, really. That's, <laughs> that's exactly. really what it is, yep. And I mean, the fourth round really did decide it. You know, the fourth round, it was like, oh, okay, now you, you, you knock him out. Bastard, yeah, you got yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, you got him. You knock him out. Um. So, but yeah. Yeah, any any final thoughts about Chicago by Night, first edition? Yeah, there's a section, one of the few sections where there are actual rules, and it's uh, new Tremere rituals. And oh, you yeah. can turn a guy into a bat. Yeah, I love that. You curse him and you turn into a bat. And for some fucking reason, it says 
the target will only turn back to human form when the spell is cast on her again. What? What? They're a bat forever. Keep them in a box. (laughs) That it might as well say cast a spell and kill a guy. Stick them in your attic forever. You can also blast a hole in the earth to find a gangrel. It creates a 10 by 10 chasm leading to where a vampire has gone during Earth Melt. Yeah, so kind of cool. Some cool new new rituals for the Shamir to use. I like them. I like that one. Um, yeah, I like that rending sweet earth. Yeah, rending the sweet earth. That's fucking terrific. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Protean Curse is ridiculous. You know, and this is another thing that I'm, because I, I was looking again at like a bunch of the, the vampire magic in Vampire Requiem. Yep. my character the sorcerers yeah and like all of the rituals in there it's like last one night last one night last one night and i'm like why would i cast a ritual that takes me like two hours out of my day every night and costs like five blood points because it's a five five dot ritual every single night that's not great yeah that's a lot you know and i mean some some rituals, you know, the, the description of like what it is or what it does, you're like, okay, that lasts a night. Like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. Other ones, it's like, I kind of wish this would last longer than a night. I kind of wish this, I had some way to make this last longer. I think in the fiction of his game, Chris actually does, but we just haven't talked about it much. Anyway. That's a good, you know, wiggle room kind of thing to, uh, you know, yeah, that, that I mean, can be up to a storyteller's discretion, kind of. Yeah. And I mean, all role-playing games, ultimately, in a lot right, of ways, yeah. is is a storytelling process between between the, yep. the GM and the players, and um, yep, there's different amounts of it for sure, and there's different kind of styles. Um, lately, I've been listening to a podcast um, of people playing Blades in the Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which oh is man, a, I haven't even started. It's a role-playing Dishonored. game. Yeah, dis- oh yeah, Dishonored. It is It is very Dishonored in its own way. Um, Blaze in the Dark is really a, a heist game, though. Is it a system, or am I thinking of something else? Or is it just, yeah. a, is it one game? It, no, it's a system. Okay, that's okay, so it is what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a game system, but the, the, the main game system, it takes place in like this sort of like vaguely steampunk Victorian sure. kind of setting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a very cool system because it's designed, you know, you're just, you're just it's designed as to be like you're playing a bunch of thieves, you're doing heists, right? Yeah, um, heist system, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're stealing stuff. Um, so, um, it's one of those games that really asks the characters, or sorry, really asks the players to take a lot of creative control of stuff that in a I guess you would say a very traditional game would be sort of like this, the, the, the DMs or the, the GM or the storytellers right. domain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, doing stuff to be like, you know, like, like you're supposed to, like you're doing a heist in the, in, in that game, you're supposed to just start the heist. You're not supposed to plan. Oh, okay. Like, like, a, a, like as vague a plan as possible and then start in media res. And then as stuff happens, you say flashback. So, like, for instance... Oh, that's neat. Okay. You know, so, so, for instance, like, yeah, and it's very cinematic. So, for instance, like, like if, if the heist is like, okay, 
we got to steal the Ankaran sarcophagus from uh, from the Elizabeth uh, Dane. Yep. Uh, out one of those of all these cops. Okay, you know. So okay, so this is a stealth mission. Uh, so we're gonna do it stealthy. Uh, so, you know. Okay, cut to the you know cut to the to the uh, the, the, the setup where we prepared our stealth yeah. suits and hid, yeah. hid them above yeah. the yeah yeah exactly cut to the cut to the ship. It's like okay, we're on the ship. We're you know we snuck up to the ship on a boat. We climb up on the side of the boat, and you know there's a cop there, and he sees us. You know, and someone's like flashback. You know, before we came out here, I consulted a cop buddy of mine. You know who was on the take yep. in the you know in the force, and I made sure to get the name of the guy who would be on duty, and I know that he's also on the take, so I'm ready to offer him something so that we can take you know so that we can get on the ship. Like you'd be making a roll, like you're convincing him or you're hitting him with a stick or whatever. Just you're you're making the flashback roll. Right. Yeah. Whatever roll you would. Yeah. Whether you were flashing back or not. Yeah. And then. You know, whether it succeeds or fails, it's like it succeeds or fails in the flashback, but like maybe you don't know. And then, you know, you play it like like you succeeded and then and then when you get there, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Fail. <laughs> That's not awesome. How you thought it was. So it's yeah, so it's it's um Oh my god, that's a great structure just to do any kind of storytelling, like Yeah. Yeah, it's it it can be tough though, because um I can I can say I've played a few games where you uh where the where the game system like asks the players to take a bunch of narrative control and the players are often really nervous about doing it or they don't want to. Okay, sure. Yeah. And I, I've actually had players express to me like I've actually had people express to me like I don't actually they don't really like playing in systems like that because they want to concentrate on their one character and they want to play they want they want to play like a more linear um, kind of game where they where they feel more immersed and they don't want to they don't want it to feel gamey, right? Know? Right? Yeah. That yeah. That is so. You know. Yeah. Uh, that does see, gamify the story a bit. It does. It yeah. does. It's, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's just interesting. It's just different approaches, you know, and and everybody's gonna have fun playing playing different things, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds red, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, my final but, thoughts were uh, Protean Curse of Bats, but what are yours? Curse of Bats. <laughs> the, the eternal fucking struggle. It's here. Struggle. Here we are. It's, it struggles so hard. Forever. So eternal. So eternal. Much struggle. <laughs> All of these guys are struggling with each other and people they don't even know. And themselves, their souls, and the dark. Oh, man. Oh, man. They talk so much about how people frenzy and how bad the frenzies are. Yeah, there's a lot of frenzying going on in, in Chicago. Oh, and, how, and how fucked up it, it, it's, uh, it's, it makes their lives when they, when they can't keep control. Um yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people are getting killed and uh, diabled and whatever in frenzies during frenzies yeah. in this. I like how they 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 blame the Asiatic Vespers on crisis frenzying for three days straight. Oh man, they blamed Pompeii on, on Manil. Yeah, being, <laughs> being enraged against his torrid enemy. 
Yeah. And uh, chanting or summoning a fire curse or something caused the volcano. Yeah, and then Crisis. Yeah, the Asiatic Vespers were this thing in like 91 BC. Yeah. And then in. No, no, no. It was in. It was in. Yeah, it was sometime in the early first century BC. And there was this huge uprising in Eastern. in the Eastern Mediterranean where all these people who were super sick of Roman political domination rose up in Asia minor and murdered, murdered like 80,000 Romans and Italians, men, women, children. They went into temples, which was sweet, like sacred where you're not supposed to kill people and just kill people right on the altars. And, oh man, it was crazy. It was a huge, huge revolt. And they were like, yep, that was crisis. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a few things. There's a few vampires did this and this in this book. There a few pretty good ones like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's first edition Chicago by Night, one of the first things that came out after first edition Vampire. It really set the tone. This, oh yeah. This vast eternal struggle, layers upon layers, puppets puppeteering more puppets with more sock puppets <laughs> puppets very, puppets all the way down vampires all the way down yeah it's it's vampire inception yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> uh well thank you so much thank you yeah great uh boy that was 1992 yes long ass time ago man 1991, 1992. Over 40, 30 years ago? 30. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's old. We are. We are that old. That's fucking, that's a long time ago. So, yeah, nine, cool. Yeah, 91. Weird that all that shit actually happened. <laughs> you, you, this actually, rem, talking, reading about the underground area north of the Chicago River that it was talking about actually made me it reminded me that I actually did a vampire game based the one probably the last vampire game I tried to run was in 2004 it didn't go very far like I ran it for probably five or six sessions but it was set in Chicago I figured we might as well we might as well do a classic one very nice Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. I'll get I'll get that song about the dirt about the crooked river or whatever to play this one out. <laughs> nice. Awesome, well All right, so yeah, thank you for listening to Maybe We'll Talk About Chicago by Night. Yeah, one of the earliest, like we've said three or five times now, uh, supplements for Vampire the Masquerade, which we adore. And yeah, that was, man, our thoughts about Chicago by Night and really a lot of thoughts about role-playing in general. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what episode is coming next because I'm caught up on everything I've recorded, I think. I've got some plans to talk to some people about a few things that I've mentioned. Maybe we will be watching some Kindred the Embraced tonight or soon. 
And, yeah, if you would like to talk to us about any of these things, role-playing games or books or bad 90s television shows, you can pop on over to my Discord, and uh, you can get a link to the Discord by visiting koyadk.tv, that is C-U-Y-A-D-K dot TV. Uh, you can get a link to the Discord, you can get a link to my Patreon, and... Uh, my Etsy, where you can buy some soap for me, and other places where you can support me in various ways. All my social media accounts and all my bullshit is over there on koyadk.tv. But yeah, uh, come and talk to us. Uh, maybe play some Vampire the Masquerade, or just talk about it. Or, um, yeah, whatever. I don't know. There's a red moon rising on the Cahoe River. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's an oil fog winding down the Cuyahoga River. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's an old barge winding down the Cuyahoga River. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. Cleveland, city of light, city of magic. Cleveland City of Light to call me. Cleveland, even now I can't remember. Cause the Cuyahoga River goes smoking through my dreams. Burn on, big river, burn on. Burn on, big river, burn on. Now the Lord can make you crumble, and the Lord can make you turn, and the Lord can make you overflow. What the Lord can make you burn, burn, burn on, big river. Burn on, big river, burn on, big river, burn on.